Welcome, everyone, to a, another episode of How I Met Your Mortgage. As always, I'm your host, Adam Smith, with Just the Tips Coaching. And with me, pretty much also, as always, is my co-host, our marketing director, and one of our other coaches, Jen Weybork. Hey, Jen. Hi, Adam. How you been? Good, okay. I think. Okay. It's spring. It's spring. Uh, not until like three this afternoon, yeah. I heard well, on the radio this morning. We're going to round up. It's okay. All right. We're going to round up. And it's going to feel like it today anyway, although it has for quite a few days in recent memory. Yeah. And Jen and I have a really cool guest for you guys today. Somebody that we have just been pining over to get <laughs> the show. Uh, so, Jen, please welcome. I'm not sure the two of you have even met Steve nope. Schraderbacher. Hello, Steve. Hello. How are you? Oh, we're good. I'm going to reveal to our audience that we actually refer to you as Steve Shredded Butter. Now um, you're giving away all the secrets. It's a secret. It's kind of a secret. It's in our circle. And I really have no idea how that came to pass other than the fact we're probably a bunch of lazy assholes that can't really learn people's names. Maybe you should get something easy like Adam Smith. Like Smith. Yeah, exactly. I, I only got nine letters total. It's easy. Right? Yeah, Very Steve Green. Even Steve Green has 10. <laughs> All right, we're getting complicated there. So, Steve, do we really know how the nickname came about? I'm blaming Katie Parsons. Yeah, I think that's a, probably a good place to start. All right. I, I think she probably just decided that that was easier to type than my name, maybe. <laughs> or remember. <laughs> I, I was going to say the memory part or the <laughs> pronunciation true. apart or yeah. those kinds of things. And, yeah, we're Americans. We're all, you know, we think that our language is king. And uh, we're obviously too lazy to learn other languages like the rest of the world. So we're probably too lazy to pronounce your last name correctly, too. That's all right. It all happens. Right. All right. I'm used to it. All right, so Steve, uh, let me give our audience a little bit of background that I know on you. And obviously, it being your first time on the show, we're going to want to get a lot of background from you. But obviously, we run in some similar circles, loan originators by trade, by practice. And I'm not going to sugarcoat this in any way, shape, or form. I have always found your social media content to be phenomenal. Uh, the and, and don't get me wrong, because I think we've departed, not you, but as an industry, as uh, an audience, as a social media using population, that we've really kind of steered away, unfortunately, for all of the rest of us, from the kind of content that you do, which is really heavy copy. You actually write out lengthy thoughtful, impactful social media posts, and then your kind heart lets the rest of us steal that shit and repurpose it for our own uses, which I absolutely love because I get some of my best social media traction off the shit I steal from you. Well, appreciate that. So that's really the entirety of the background. I know we've obviously met on a couple of occasions thanks to the circles that we run in, that kind of thing. Sure. But you're a loan originator. Yes. And you have been for how long? Uh, 2001 or two. Okay, so we could put our things down here, and uh, you've got a pretty low NMLS number, I'm guessing. Yeah, it starts with, well, it starts with a four, and there's only six digits. So It starts with a four, and there's only six digits. We're now starting to come across a lot of loan originators where it reads like an international phone number. <laughs> That's right. Okay. All right, so mine starts with a two. 
Well, there you go. You're six digits. It actually starts with two zero. Mine's four zero. Yeah. All right. So yeah, you've been at this game for some time. How did you get into it? How did well, you, you know, get started as a loan originator of all the crazy careers out there? Yeah, I know it's it's a it's a it's an interesting question that that and I really appreciate. First of all, first and foremost, thanks so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, visit with your audience and kind of explain a little bit of my journey. Um, you know, truthfully, and if you talk to other lenders, probably they didn't say, "Well, I came right out of high school and I knew I was going to be a mortgage loan originator." I mean, that does that normally doesn't happen. It was on my list when I was seven: firefighter, <laughs> astronaut dinosaur trainer and mortgage originator that's right yeah, yeah. And, and so really what happened and I, I owe and i and i and i know this gentleman uh very well he's actually a client of mine um his name is denny warwick um he back in the day was in charge of a uh temporary service like you know you, they go and find temporary work for for temporary um folks and he had reached out to me he'd saw my um after my resume online he said hey you know i i would love to come have you come into the office i think i might have an opportunity for you and the opportunity started in that time um there was a a, a position as a subordination person i don't know what the title was subordination clerk or subordination and i was you know in my 20s at the time and just looking for the next opportunity and he said, hey, you know, I think this might be something you'd want to check into uh, based on your background and your, and your history and your experience as far as like your, your um, academic experience. This might be something that would work for you. So that's how I got my start. Um, started out as a temporary worker for a mortgage company. Well, uh, they're part of some other things, too, but they're no longer around. Um, the mortgage <laughs> part is, is no longer there, but, but that's Shocker. how I got my start. That's how I got my start in 2001, 2002 was processing subordination requests for refinances. Right. And so uh, then moved over to the closing side of the table. I, I was hired on as a full-time employee after after some time and moved over to the closing side, ran through the closing department, understanding how, how, how files work once they're in closing to get them to the to the table. And then from there, I moved, uh, when an opportunity came along, I moved into the origination side. So I've been on the origination side probably since 04, 05. All with uh, this one company? Well, so no. Okay. <laughs> so the company the company I started with, they were bought out in 2004. The company, the, the company that I was part of, um, they have other um, activities. The, the, the main company is, is still around, but they sold the mortgage division, probably saw the writing on the wall uh, that was coming in 2007, 2008. Um, so then I stayed with the second company that, that acquired us uh, from uh, 04 through 08. And then when 08 happened, they shut the shop down. And said, hey, we're leaving Des Moines. Um, we have some opportunities in St. Louis if you'd like to move. And I'm like, well, I don't know anybody in St. Louis. And so uh, my kids were just getting started in the school system. We were pretty entrenched in the community, doing what loan officers do, trying to network, trying to be visible. Um, and so then 08 came and they said, well, you know, we, we're shutting the shop down. Your options are to move to St. Louis or go, look go away. One. Yeah, right. that's right. So, <laughs> so we didn't move to St. Louis. Um, one, of, one of my coworkers actually at the time said, hey, because he was interviewing too. He said, hey, they're... Um, there's an opportunity with Wells Fargo in the retail branch. 
don't know if you'd like it. Don't know if you want it, but they're hiring in your, they're hiring in Ankeny where I live. And, um, you know, you might want to go check it out. And so I did and I was hired. And so I continued my mortgage career then with Wells Fargo from 08 to 2013 um yeah saw a lot of interesting transition in there yeah yeah and that was that was before the um situations that wells fargo got themselves into i had left before that um, wow aren't you being kind <laughs> well, <laughs> got themselves into yes they did hey here's a tip for all your retail uh depository institutions out there just don't open fake accounts in your customers names i just don't do it yes and so then I, and so I've always been retail. So that's the other thing. I know we look, we have a lot of broker friends. We have a lot of um, friends that do mortgage lending. You know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to skin the cat for lack of a better term. And so um, I've always been retail, always been direct to consumer, always, you know, that's just my business. That's what I've grown up on. And I've never felt the need to change. I have nothing against the other models, but that's, this is the model that's worked for me. And, and I'm, I'm very uh, comfortable in this model and, and I'm succeeding. So, uh, so after 13, then there were a couple of other opportunities that came along and just um, was asked to consider a move and I made a move and, and my most recent move actually came um, back in 16. Uh, I was, uh, I moved to Stearns Lending uh Cern's lending is a name some may know um they were a national retail lender um but national were, wholesale lender national, that, that too yes yep. uh and but they were acquired uh by guaranteed rate and so guaranteed rate acquired them two years ago this april so april of 21 then we our our company was acquired and so now i've been a part of the guaranteed rate family since uh april of 21 okay wow and always retail and it's funny that you say that because we get a lot of questions from loan originator coaching clients about, should I change companies? Should I change models? And we don't know. Right. Uh, to be perfectly honest, when we're comparing A to B, while on the opposite end of the spectrum, I'm just like you. I started as a broker. That company struggled um, probably right in about that same time frame, 08. I started my brokerage. And that's all I've done. I don't know the retail side. So I really can't give you the apples to oranges. And obviously when we're having those conversations, it's like, well, is it a good fit for you? Is it a good fit for your clients? Is the company culture sound? These are the kinds of things that I think are far more important than retail versus wholesale. Right. All right. But I will throw out there just to be a dick, brokers are better. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so <laughs> moving right along. Um, so for our audience that isn't directly involved in the mortgage origination, the mortgage side of the business, what Steve was essentially doing was reviewing where people wanted to refinance the first mortgage, had a second mortgage. In mortgage world, liens on your title are chronological. So you can't go and refinance your first mortgage because your second mortgage would automatically drop into first position unless you get that second lien holder to agree to subordinate and remain in second position, which is what Steve was reviewing. And I'm assuming either approving or denying. Right. Okay. So very cool path there. And when you started in origination... And this, I'm sorry, this was with Wells Fargo? Uh, no, it was before that. I don't know if I'm supposed to name companies, but the company's not No, you don't have to name companies. Yeah. Uh, Where was the business coming from? What were you doing so, to actually originate loans? Yeah, so it was different. So prior to Wells Fargo, so the 02, 01, 02 to 
eight, everything was telesales. Mm. So I was a part of an 800 number. People, ah. and you know, they would um, re- receive a response from our parent or receive a um, uh, offer from our parent company to refinance their mortgage or buy a new home and receive a closing cost credit or some sort of thing. Or because they had because they had affiliations with the parent company, they were able to um, receive discounts for, for that service. So I talked to people all over the U.S. And this is, again, before, you know, nationwide uh, licensing and, or individual state licensing was even a thing. Um, so we were able to help clients all over the U.S. at that point. And so that's, that's just where I stayed. I stayed in that, that telesales role uh, from 01 until 08 when I was forced to look at other options. That's funny. Prior to being in mortgages, I did a little bit of work in telephony and with some companies that were really high tech and describing the backbone, the actual working logistics of what you're at. But the one brokerage I did work for before having my own had a dialer. Yeah. Yeah. Actually had a Jen. Shut up. <laughs> actually had a computer <laughs> dialer. And if it only cared about getting a live person or an answering machine. And yes, for those of you that are going to crack some jokes about how old Steve and I are, there were answering machines. They even had little tapes in them, little cassette tapes in them that record what one recorded your outgoing greeting and one recorded the incoming messages. And yeah, if it got a live person on the phone, it would say something like, if you want to participate in a brief real estate survey and be entered for a drawing, press one now and the computer would route the call into the office. And if you were uh, savvy with the phone, you knew you were talking to a homeowner, there might be a conversation there. And if it got an answering machine, it left the exact same message on every machine. Hey, Bob, it's John. Uh, we got your loan approved. They don't care about your bankruptcy, your foreclosure, your car repossession, your late credit card payments, whatever. But we got to move quickly. So call me back. Right. And everybody called back saying, well, I have a foreclosure and I want to refinance. And then you would be able to have that conversation. Yeah, those days, fortunately, are gone. But I do remember that company I worked for having that computer dialer. And they hid the damn thing in a closet. <laughs> Literally, that computer sat in a coat closet where nobody would see it. So, yeah. Uh, God. And yes, of course, before there was any licensing here in Colorado or any federal or national licensing. Yeah, we've... Uh, come a long, long way. That's right. Okay. And the business you were driving at Wells Fargo is probably relatively self-explanatory. Banking customers, retail depository customers. You know, but it's interesting because, you know, in case you have any uh, newer viewers or or new to the business viewers that are watching, you know, I, I think the biggest thing that still sticks with me now nearly 15 years later is when I had that first interview with Wells Fargo, the guy, the, the manager at the time said, now this is like nothing you've ever done before. Oh, well, that's I'll bet that's true. Yeah. So, you know, but I think it just really reset the mindset because again, didn't realize at the time, but looking back on it, you know, it's a hundred percent true because I thought he was really nuts because I mean, it's, you're, you're still doing mortgages. Yeah. You're still doing mortgages, but the, but the business isn't coming in, you're going to get it. And so you're going out there, you're going to be visible. And yes, we did have some bank customers. I, I guess I should also say, you know, but, but at that time, when I was in the branch, there were also five other loan officers in the same branch as I was. Wow. So the bank relation, you know, then I was building relationships with the tellers and the bank personnel to try to make sure any referrals that came up, I would have the opportunity to get. Or, you know, that you obviously if you stay in the bank and you know, if you're not, if they're working with somebody, but you're not there, or if they're working with you, but you're not there, then it's like, well, do I need to have, you know, have some, some other loan officer help you because I wasn't available. So 
really um, realizing that the bank, the bank, port, the bank footprint was important, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't the sole part of my business, you know, really getting out there, being visible in the community, going to realtor open houses, going to visit the, the folks out there in the community that were doing the business and then having an opportunity to shine as far as what I did different than all the rest of my competitors and really just trying to focus in on that because what I listened for, um, what I listened for personally in my business that I've been the most successful port is I listened to what my agents had where the pain points were. And I look for ways to solve those pain points. And oh, for- whoa. Like an actual sales job, yeah. <laughs> like actually in it to help people. Yeah. How can I solve this for you? Wow. I uh, am contributing to what will undoubtedly be a best-selling book in the future about sales mindset. And the author is um, very uh, well renowned when it comes to being a best-selling nonfiction author. And yeah, I focused a lot on that sales is really problem solving and helping people and so on and so forth. In fact, uh, just got by uh, version back from the editor general get you a copy of it uh, so that you can take a look and when it becomes available to the public we'll talk about it more um, but yeah that's a big deal and something else that really struck a chord with me Steve is we used to actually all believe that there was a time where going to realtors open houses was a good idea well the thing is too, I mean obviously ah, Jen <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, obviously the business morphed a little bit over the years and, and I have the I have the history behind me to kind of see how things have morphed. But I think obviously, you know, we, we just came through record career years in our business, yeah. uh, certainly for me and I'm sure for you and others. I mean, you know, these are these were career years that we've never experienced prior to that and very thankful, very you know, blessed to have the opportunity, but the open houses kind of fell by the wayside because there were just—I mean—the the, the the opportunities for helping clients on refinances and home purchases were just kind of falling from the ceiling, for lack of a better term, um, which they're not now. And so now it's—but I've always kept my—I've always kept my relationships up. I've always done what I could. I just didn't really focus a lot on those extra things that I had then because I wanted to really focus on continuing to, to keep up with my existing relationships that I have. Of course, with the existing relationships. Right. And some of them may have been forced in that era. But I think a lot of it is that open houses in general fell by the wayside. Correct. That was certainly a big part of it. And I'm seeing them now again. I've even done one with a colleague of ours, a former coaching client, a great real estate agent here in Denver. Um, and she and I do have that relationship. We actually care about putting each other's kids through college, so on and so forth. But I think that there are, well, we don't do open houses to sell houses. We don't need that. We've got a major supply and demand issue houses sell. In fact, I'm looking at it and I think the majority of open houses are being held by agents that are not the listing agent. I would agree. And I think the ones that are doing it are doing it well from the position of it being a lead gen activity, building your audience, adding to your contact database. If you want people to consume your content, you got to have people. That's all that there is to it. And doing open houses could be a great technique for that. However, what Steve is describing is a technique or tactic from loan originators from yesterday decade. Um, literally multiple decades, I would 
caution all of you that are relatively new to originating mortgages or to any line of work where you think popping in on a realtor open house is a good idea because it's not. There are ways to forge those relationships without falling into the pitfalls that is this. Realtors doing their open house. They've you know got some drinks out. They put up all their signs. They have put forth some serious effort. They see a car pull up and they think, boom, lead. If not a lead, at least somebody I'm going to add to my contact database, to my audience, somebody who may eventually use me to buy or sell a home or both. And here you are walking in the door. Not only are you not a lead, but you're actually asking them for something. You want their business. So no matter what occurs from that moment forward, they hate you. They don't mean to. They don't want to. You might have a phenomenal conversation, but that subconscious, that psychological trap door of them thinking that you're a lead and you actually being the exact opposite of that, you asking them for business, not there to give them business, is something that you will likely never overcome in their subconscious. I would advise all of you to find better, more creative, more authentic, more transparent, more solid relationship building activities and opportunities with your referral partners, be it real estate agents or otherwise, than popping in on realtors' open houses. Well, I think too, and obviously the, the, the when I had mentioned that before, that was 10 years ago plus, um, you know, the market is, the, the, the opportunities have changed, especially with social media. Where, Huge difference, yeah. You, you know, you obviously you can tell, you can help folks understand what you do uh, using social media platform. And one of the things that I started uh, back in 2014, again, going back to the pain points of my customers, which are really my agents that are my customers, because without my agents, I wouldn't have the clients on the end, typically, um, in most cases. So back in 2014, then I started a little secret uh, VIP Facebook group that I've been running now for almost nine years, uh, specifically focused to help my agents with business development and marketing activities. So it gives me a chance to connect with them on social they can, they can interact with the posts or not but they can the goal is for them to take the stuff and then share it with their sphere and then when i see them share it of course then i'll be engaging with that as well so um it just really allows you know if you want to take this deep um set up a facebook group if you don't already have one going and include your best agents from there and they'll actually start in when they start seeing the value you're providing the consistent obviously be consistent uh, the consistent value that you're providing in the group, they'll start inviting their agent friends into the group too. And so I've got, oh, well over 300 in there now. Um, local are, are there 300 houses in Iowa? <laughs> <laughs> barely, barely. Okay, got it. So, there's a, in, in my town, there's actually about 70,000 people. So um, we're not a small town. But in Anthony. Yeah, in Wow. Okay. One of, the, one of the largest growing uh, uh, communities. Because when everybody comes here, they usually come with you know a few kids in tow, and so it's grown pretty pretty substantially. Uh, we got two high schools in town, which you know a small town, when the, and we're thinking about a third high school down the road. So I mean, the, the the town's growing, but but again, going back to my point that you know if you have this group, you know you're able to provide content for them, and, and there's sources out there that you can have content sent to you, you know, automatically. You just have to invest in yourself to be able to do that. Um, 
you know, so where, where stuff is done for you and then you can push it out to the eight, to your, your business partner. So, so that group has been going strong for almost nine years now. And, and, uh, you know, just it allows me to stay visible with them because everybody's pressed for time, but, it, but it's amazing to me how much time they're pressed for when they're on social too. It's like, well, I'll just, I'm waiting at the office. I'll check social. I'm, I'm waiting at, for the doctor's appointment. I'm waiting at the car wash. I'll check, social. you know, or they're waiting for a client to come to their open house or their, their, their showing appointment. So they'll, they'll just hop on Facebook and check social. So if I can put content out there on a regular cadence for them to be able to review and maybe take a look at, share if they want, or just comment with, or, you know, that sort of thing. So that, that's just kind of what I've been doing to help continue to build my, my business uh, partnerships. Oh, so you think that there's some value in Facebook groups? Yes. Oh, um, <laughs> Jen? I don't know. Just a little, we, just a little. We do have an entire module in our coaching program on Facebook groups, so we might uh, be in tune it there. And for those of you that aren't seeing it, let me give you this: for multiple seasons, Facebook ran ads for Facebook groups during NFL games, including the Super Bowl, the most expensive airtime known to man. And yet you don't pay for Facebook. You don't pay for Facebook groups. There's no advertising in Facebook groups. And yet Facebook deems it appropriate enough, important enough to purchase the most expensive commercial airtime known to man to promote it. I'll leave it at that. You guys can uh, interpret that as you will. A couple of other things that I think are really important that Steve is really drilling into here. Um, provide good content. Help people. And here's a really good one. If you have a Facebook group, a private Facebook group with the 300 best agents in your circle, and you are, and this goes both ways. If you're a real estate agent and you want to provide that content to other referral sources, by all means, invite every divorce attorney you can think of, whatever. And you're providing good content for them on things they could do to improve their process, generate more business, whatever the case may be make more money, work less hours, have a better quality of life. There are a thousand things that fit under that general umbrella and you do it consistently. That's another big subject in this writing I've been working on is consistency and constancy. Then yeah, do this. This is not rocket surgery. Having that Facebook group, providing that kind of content and doing it consistently is a Fucking golden ticket in there. I swore I wouldn't drop. I didn't swear, but I said I'd try not to drop an F-bomb. And I did it anyway. My apologies to all of those of you under the age of 18 tuning into our podcast. Actually, they're not allowed to, are they, Jen? You actually have to be a legal grown-up to hear us. Okay. Uh, I have us yet. marked as adults only. Yeah, we, we yeah. are because of... <laughs> all right. But yeah, Steve, yeah. that is golden, man. That And I know we talk about it. Jen and I talk about it all the time. But to hear it from somebody who is doing it in practice with success and isn't just Jen and Adam constantly berating people on, yes, you have to do this. Uh, is is gold for us so thank you that's uh, phenomenal content right there mm -hmm. but yeah all right so tell us what it looks like now we know you're not popping by open houses we do know that you're providing content in a facebook group for your local your best and brightest local real estate agents mm -hmm. where what else are you doing what give us some other nuggets as to what your well, your lead gen your client retention 
Come yeah, on, the, man. I'm thirsty the, for the, it the, now. The biggest thing is communication. I mean, I know it's easier said than done, but I mean, you, you just got to stay in touch. Like, like I think the, the biggest thing that I've learned over the years is, you know, I'll have a client that's clear to close and we're like three weeks away from the closing. I'll send them a message. Hey, congratulations. We're clear to close. We can't move up the closing for whatever reason. But then I'll, you know, even even two weeks before the closing, like a week has passed, has had no communication from me. I'll, I'll just pop in to say, hey, it's, everything's still on track. You know, we're just we're just waiting for the closing date nothing else is needed from you if something else comes up we'll definitely let you know but i think just having that reassurance and of course what usually what i'll do on most communications that are client facing as long as there's not um personal information included in the correspondence is i'll usually blind carbon copy the, the buyer's agent just so they know that i've had the communication with them and allowing them to know that hey there's peace of mind there so that then they don't get their phone well if the client would happen to call them then they know what what i said to them but they usually don't call because i've already made the communication and so, they know what's going on yeah yeah i mean they know what's going on but you know for the first for the home buyer the first time home buyer the home buyer that hasn't bought a home in you know 10 15 years it might be it might be a new experience and so really just trying to make sure all the nerves are worked out and you know and everything is as smooth as possible so that's pretty sharp you know communication all around is, is the biggest thing and, and that's and i just i i just had a uh a referral that came in yesterday from a client that i helped last year so this would have been january of 22 bought his home i've been keeping in contact with him sending him relevant updates using homebot i know you're a big proponent of homebot using homebot and other other tools to stay in touch with him and um he just sent me a, a client excuse me he sent me a co-worker um to get pre-approved uh that's also a veteran because uh, he's a veteran and um yeah so i've got that that uh, referral pre-approved and, and ready to go now and it just happened because i stayed in contact with this client who closed over a year ago that's pretty solid. Um, we actually have a standing rule in our office that we communicate with our clients every 48 to 72 hours. Oh, sure. So, yeah, if we're way ahead of the game and we're clear to close weeks ahead, then so be it. That trend continues. Mm -hmm. uh, that it's, it's just... Uh, it's just a rule. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just what well. We I think do. I think what you realize in this business, there's an old saying, you know, success isn't easy, but it sure is simple. So if you follow the rule, if you follow the the path that got you here, you know, obviously, if you want to get to the next level, there's some additional things you would want to do, or maybe double down on those activities that you found to be the most successful, and really just try to different because because there are there are a lot of great loan officers in my market. There are a lot of a lot of great folks who do what I do, but there's nobody who does it the way that I do it. And so staying Staying true to who I am, staying true to the value that I provide um, has helped me win. And I think what I would encourage your audience is if you don't know what your value is, ask your customers because they'll, you know, if you take, if you get a survey or you, you hear some things about what, how the process went, they'll, they will tell you what they enjoyed most about it. And um, if you see, if you hear that option, you know, if you hear that same theme over and over again, that's probably something that you should double and triple down on. And make sure that you're consistent. Yes. Do it on every transaction. Yes, sir. And yeah, agreed. We can say that communication is key, and we all know what that means. But that's a really solid couple of nuggets there for the rest of you. Yeah. Even when you're done, keep communicating. And I'm not just talking about what Steve is talking about from the time he's done to the time it's closed, um, but in perpetuity. Right. I mean, and our, our clients know this. If you fall into my web, we're going to talk. 
Yes. I'm going to review your file a couple of times here. I'm going to make sure you need all the, you're getting all the things you need to prepare taxes. I'm going to make sure you got that little postcard from the county assessor. Do you want to talk about the increase in assessed value? Do you want to know what that means for appraised value on and on? We're going to do that. I think our database gets touched 40 to 70 times a year and it's 15,000 people. Yeah. Communication. And the other one that you're surveying your clients, figuring out what they really like, and then doing more of that, it's not that complicated. It doesn't sound all that complicated. And what a great tool. What a great tactic. What a great technique. Steve, I told you, or Jen told you, (laughs) that we were going to burn through a half hour like it was nothing, and we did. So, Jen, this was a lot of fun. I want shredded butter back on the show. (laughs) Okay. And, and make sure you make sure, <laughs> sure. Gets a, make sure he gets the microphone by then. Okay. Right. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's make that happen. Um, and then, yeah, I know we're over time. I see you. Um, but uh, you probably got some things you want our audience to know about as well. Oh, social yeah. media day. Social June media 23rd. day. June 23rd. Yeah. We've got some speakers lined up. We've got a couple more that I'm vetting right now. Uh, but if anyone's interested in speaking, sponsoring, all the fun things, then definitely reach out to me. Uh, smdaydenver at gmail.com for all of that info to get on that list, all those all those things. Looks and like then, we're going to talk about some AI this year. Yeah, I'm excited that's for a, that because I've been diving into the AI world. And, totally. That's a fun um, development. Yeah, I think it's kind of, it's going to be one of those things like we coach about video that you should have started video 15 years ago. This is going to be the video 15 years from now. It's you should have started using AI for your business when it came out. And that's right now. So um, that'll be a lot of fun. And we'll talk about Google My Business, which no matter what happens, Google My Business is essential. If you don't know what's going on in that space, Brett's going to come talk about Google My Business again, which I'm excited about. Yeah, he's great. And I'm sure Adam and I will end up speaking on who knows what. We'll decide something. I might chime in on the AI stuff, to be honest. Cool. Brad might have to share space with me. All right. So we're going to do um, an event then, in the fall. Yeah, as always. Social media or social media day, Denver. Mile High Mastermind last weekend of September this year. That will be at DU again. We very much appreciate them partnering with us. We got a really cool space last year that I think we're going to keep for this year. Um, So typically it's Thursday night, all day Friday, all day Saturday, but there'll be more details about that as it gets closer and as we get through social media day. But you can also find out. DU does other things than play hockey? Yeah, apparently. Didn't you go there? They No, 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 no. Um, But I can tell you, uh, no, I went to the bar and watched. Right. From a distance. Right, right, right. Got it. Yeah. But I can tell you that they are playing in the uh, NCAA tournament on beginning on Thursday. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go Pioneers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But all things, just the tips, text tips to 63566. It will ping you back everything you could possibly want to know get a copy of adam's book um when the new book comes out that he's talking about that will be there of course you can book a free hour of coaching with us you can get past episodes of the show get the link to the show on apple and spotify uh the weekly little tip all the things just all the things six three five six six cool thanks steve Thank I know you. it's. Thank I know. Much, I know it's not easy to carve this kind of time out on a monday morning it's still morning yeah. where you are no it's, it's not no it's after no, all right. All I, gotta right. have, I gotta go get something to eat so i don't starve away 
All right. All right. See, we, I, and we told you we were going to discuss your height and weight, and we yes. will have to do that next time. Okay. That's All right. <laughs> Fair enough. But yes, thank you for doing that. And for sure. the rest of you watching or listening live or in syndication, you can catch us live at 1030 in the morning mountain time. And you can catch past episodes of the show on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the things. Twitter, LinkedIn, yeah, everywhere. On and on. Everywhere. Right. Everywhere. And we will see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Steve, thank you for doing it. Yep. And Jen, I guess we'll uh, talk soon. Sounds good. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.